0: Oh, there I go. Here I go again on my own. Womp a womp, womp. Okay, tell me when. Go. All right. Hey, everybody. What's up? We're here. It's Bird Jones.
1: <laughs> we got a really good one for y'all today. We got the, we got all the classic. What if I started saying y'all a lot on these things?
0: <laughs> we got all the classic japes. We got all the classic bromides. And other assorted sundries. <laughs> silliness i want to i want to dive deeper into the eventualities of our um podcast personas where you become you become like the fully actualized (laughs) podcast guy who's like hey what's up everybody so what's up guys what's up guys welcome this week to uh (laughs) you know without any else (laughs)
1: Uh, all right so all right so myself (laughs) calling people guys on the podcast a lot and i'm like God, don't be that guy. Just <laughs> don't be that guy. Go on. <laughs> without any, without any further else. I was thinking uh, I should start a whole second podcast called "Without Any Else."
0: Without <laughs> any else, I would listen to all the time. That would be that would be great if you just interviewed random people <laughs> for "Without Any Else." I'm <laughs> Q. I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road, baby. This Bird Road. Woo-hoo! Let's try to, we're faking it until we make it. We're trying to pretend like we want to be doing this. (laughs) You don't want to be doing this? I don't ever want to do this.
1: (laughs) When's the last time you felt like excited to do this?
0: I've never felt excited. Not for one episode. Not one time doing this with you (laughs) have I felt like it's a worthwhile waste of my time, use of my time. No, you know what? I'll stick with waste of my time.
1: (laughs) Can something be a worthwhile waste of a time? That's
0: just my entire life. it's going to be a lot of fun editing out all my, my nose blowings. Oh boy. <laughs> oh God.
1: I, I feel like you, I'm in virtual reality and you're here with me right now. <laughs> what I hear every time you're in my house. <laughs> <God>.
0: oh <man. laughs>
1: I hope that makes a big wave form where I can, I can,
0: yeah, I like it. A snap. <laughs> um, so what's up, man? How's your and I yeah, oh yeah. So going back to like our fully realized podcast forms, I want to mm. become um like uh like deep, deep, like bitter irony podcast guy who's just like, hey, I still don't fucking even care. Like it all sucks everything, anyway. Everything fucking is terrible. So you know what? <laughs> Trump should win. I'm glad. Is that the voice you
1: get, or is that just an impression of you?
0: No, that's me. It's like what I'm slowly turning into. I wonder if my voice—the
1: whole thing, the whole—I wonder if
0: my voice sounds different right now than it did sixty some odd episodes ago when we started this, like a year and a half ago.
1: It's got more despair. I'll tell you that more
0: despair. (sighs) No, yeah, that's pretty much that's that's all I got for um for for this little intro bit, Dave. What uh? Why don't you explain to the people what we're gonna do in this episode, and then maybe we'll come to a natural cut point for your show.
1: Sure. But I mean, if we don't come to a natural cut point, we just Just fucking say
0: (laughs) the thing I asked you to say.
1: So yeah, we're, uh, we're doing a crossover episode of bird road and piecing it together because we just both watched Donald Glover's new movie, uh, Guava Island, and we were going to do an episode on piecing it together. So we figured this is the kind of thing we'd probably be talking about anyway on bird road. So Let's just uh, save everybody a little time and just do it for both our shows. Why not? Uh (laughs) He may be blowing his nose. I'll do my best to edit it out. (laughs) uh, uh, We both watched this new movie uh, from Childish Gambino called Guava Island, which is available now on Amazon and was premiered during Coachella. And uh, we wanted to talk about it, and so we weren't planning on this one, but here we are, and I think it'll be a fun talk. This was not kidding? on your
0: editorial calendar, is it?
1: It was not. It was not. A, and believe it or not, I've got an editorial calendar, because I do a lot oh, of I planning for my podcast.
0: I lost you. you. Are you to, there?
1: know I'm, I'm here. I was waiting for you to yell at me, because I don't do a lot of... <laughs> with Brook Road. Wait, set me back up because you cut out. So set me back
0: up for that. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I, 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 I actually have an editorial calendar. Because Fuck you. I might just keep it like that whole that whole play back and forth. There. Keep whatever you want. <laughs> So uh, yeah, yeah. The so good news is
0: actually, here is that that uh, Jewish Dave, uh, I figured out the, the trick to get Jewish Dave to actually plan or do yeah. any research for an episode of Bird Road. It's to make it a crossover with piecing <laughs> yeah. it together, and then he'll actually fucking pay attention to it and prioritize it in his life. <laughs>
1: you should see all the articles i read and everything in preparation i mean i know a lot
0: of oh, stuff. i haven't read any articles i'm actually really no, interested I, to he- I'm hear just,
1: i'm just joking I'm... Oh, oh i thought maybe you did some <laughs> research
0: on the movie this movie is a real like kind of mystery box movie which it's, it's yeah. a very allegorical and metaphorical and i just like i know that there are probably there's things behind it there's meaning behind it i just didn't want to go i didn't really want to dig too deep into it i kind of liked it just I, I kind of really like this movie just for what it was. I could tell that there was some allegorical and metaphorical meaning behind it that sure. wasn't maybe immediately obvious that uh if you go to I don't know, if you if you read whatever, like if like Mashable or whatever or The Ringer does like a write up of it, they probably pick up on a lot of stuff that just the average viewer wouldn't. But I kind of just wanted to enjoy it on a superficial level.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it being kind of a movie and a music video collection at the same time, it does allow you to just just enjoy it, like just totally surface level enjoy it. But I'm sure that, you know, knowing the people involved, especially, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, you know, layers to it and things that you could really read into it and, and look for throughout it and i mean it, it's it's so beautiful the way that they put this thing together um you know it, it, every scene seems to be just so full of life i'm sure there's there's plenty in there that you don't catch on the first time
0: well they had pretty incredible access to uh the island of cuba that i haven't really seen in pretty much in any other movie or tv show right um right. and I, I don't know if the uh you know I, I don't know how that was how that was negotiated and, and executed but um yeah, they they showed just a really beautiful part of Cuba that uh, was was something else to watch. It was really really pretty.
1: I think he basically said, "I'm Donald Glover. I get to do whatever I want in 21st <laughs> century America. Well, you know, Cuba too." But um, <laughs> uh, all right, let, let's uh, let's jump into some puzzle pieces. What do you got for your first one?
0: So the first one that I have is is a little bit of a deep pull that I think some folks might know. Um, it's uh the it's two thousands dancer in the dark which was a Lars von Trier movie I don't know if you ever saw it or not I never um, did uh, so it was starring Bjork and Catherine Deneuve and mm. um specifically at the start of the movie it's it's it has a scene where Bjork leads just like a um a percussive uh, workplace like on the factory floor dance scene uh that was evocative and, and I have to think I mean to watch it you have to think that Hiro Murai, who was the director of um the director of uh of uh Guava Island, has to have seen this. Be- there's just no way that it, it was just coincidence because it was um it was very similar to uh right. to, to to it. It was it was just great. And Dance from the Dark's a great movie. Um very musical movie. Uh obviously it starts Bjork and it has a lot of the same tones that um that this movie has. It's about I think it's about an Icelandic It's like about this Icelandic immigrant who's working uh, in a factory and trying to save up money while while she's going blind. She's Hmm. like slowly going blind and she's trying to save up money for an operation. But the operation is actually for her child who has the same degenerative condition that she does. So it's too late for her. She's trying to save up money before she goes completely blind. Um, But yeah, I don't remember where I saw it. I saw it a long time ago uh on a dvd i think maybe my, my my wife might have gotten it or something like that from mm-hmm. uh, back when there were independent video stories where you could actually go <laughs> discover shit like that um uh yeah so that that's my that's my first one dancer in the dark i, or, I think Wancher also movie.
1: yeah i think also um and I, i've never really thought of that before but i think she's probably just in general a pretty big uh influence on uh both donald glover and uh hero mariah uh with their, I mean, they just, they take music and go in like very unique, creative directions, you know? And I mean, you know, who does that more than Bjork? I right. Mean, <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, no, I like that. It's a good one. And I, I'm going to go with another uh, another music movie uh, for my first one. It's something that we actually watched together and neither of us really liked too much, but uh, <laughs> still, still, I think it set the stage a little bit. And that is Beyonce's Lemonade. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, which this is another uh I guess you <clears throat> would say quote unquote visual album. Um, but this movie is strung together by some of his most uh you know popular uh recent songs and they all, you know, come together along with uh, you know, a regular narrative to, to tell a story. And uh, you know, also being uh you know kind of blending that that line between feature film and short film and just kind of doing what what works for the sake of the music and for the sake of doing something artistic
0: well and I I think that's a great one and I think that there's I don't really know how to enunciate this the right way but when I think back about Lemonade I think about like um the moment that it came out in it was this sort of epoch of um of like the Obama era sociopolitical uh, you know, ascendancy of of very wealthy, elite people who maybe hadn't been in those positions to be wealthy and elite before. And somehow mm. we thought that like the Obamas of the world or the um or the Beyoncés of the world were going to like somehow reflect reflect our movement or like the people's movement and it was gonna right. turn into something. It I was that summer change. It was the summer right before right before the twenty sixteen election. And I think everybody was like, Wow, um, we're fighting against these regressive forces as you know, as a people. We're we're like, you know, we, we have the the first woman president is lined up, it's like all but guaranteed that she's gonna be the president. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there it was just this really I feel like now in hindsight, this this very naive right. moment that we were live existing in that Lemonade came out in. And uh, I think there are so many people that wish that they could just go back to that moment. And it, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about this and since we're crossing over a little with Bird Road, I guess we can, uh-huh. but I think that it's, I, I, I think about what Donald Glover is and his body of work and with this like sort of um, creative team that he's built with uh, the aforementioned Hiro Murai and, and I think it was Donald Glover's brother that wrote this movie right. and has been a, a frequent collaborator. They have like that sh- that small set group that they work with and they do incredible stuff we're we're fans of it but i wonder if it's ironic and i think about beyonce in the category of that sort of elitist um culture that you consume like the high-end stuff that's made for the masses but is virtual but is 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 signaling things that are virtually unattainable and Mm. i think about that as i think about like Coachella, right? Because this movie, we should mention here at the top while we're still on our first puzzle pieces, this movie is a marketing campaign. This movie is right. not, a, not a, a movie that was released in the theaters. It was released sort of as an afterthought on Amazon Prime. And it was really made to coincide with uh, with Donald Glover's performance at Coachella. Um, and I know, I don't know what the, maybe can you shed some light on what was the involvement of Beyonce where she pulled out of Coachella this year? There was, there was something to do with that, right? Maybe you can... Uh, you know, explain that a little bit. Either.
1: So I, I'm not sure because I didn't think that that was related. Like I know that she did. It's not related to this out. movie,
0: but I know that, yeah. that 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 was a thing, right? She was supposed to be at yeah, Coachella, definitely. Yeah. So I just wonder if there's like there's an irony that this is sort of an expression. This movie is this like expression of disdain for the underpinnings of consumerism, mm-hmm. and like this this fight against. The entanglements and um and for it to be strategically aligned for like maximum marketing impact with coachella the,
1: ult- the ultimate music festival uh, the That's ultimate like advertisement for everything
0: apotheosis of consumerism i mean yeah. it's like <laughs> the the emblem of all the worst parts of like capitalism elitism bourgeois liberalism like it's coachella is what it is oh. and like there are these people at Coachella who all paid like thousands and thousands of dollars for like glam encrusted, you know <laughs> fucking VIP bottle service shit. they they probably see themselves in the humble characters that they're looking up there at, 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 as they're watching that movie, and they're like, oh, sweetie, that's you, and then this is me, and I'm Donald Glover. It's and you're just like you're just like Rihanna, and that's how we are. <laughs> and And they're probably like googling on like the State Department website for like how you get travel visas to Cuba. And, like, planning their next vacation. <laughs> but the movie's message is, like, I would guarantee is probably mostly loss on them. It's probably, like, right. lost... Honestly, it's probably lost on anybody that can afford an Amazon Prime membership. <laughs> Just having an Amazon Prime membership means that you're, like, a, a zealous, fully willful participant in, like, the production and the consumption dynamics of capitalism that, you know... if If you showed up... If the people who saw this movie at Coachella showed up in Cuba on a Sunday not to ruin the the ending of this movie but spoiler alert you got to see the movie uh, but if if the people who saw this movie at Coachella showed up in Cuba on a Sunday and everything was shut down on Sunday because the people of the island were burying their friend they would probably like want to speak to a manager and be fu- infuriated <laughs> by it they would ask to speak what I to somebody at all yeah this is not what i was told i was told <laughs> they'd be alive and that there would be there would be um fresh drinks Where's and the dancing? Where's the dancing and the music festival? Don't tell me I missed it. So, I don't know. I I, I just wanted to like... That is... <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I don't know. And I don't know if like a guy like Donald Glover is doing that on purpose. If he's aligning this messaging like that on purpose. Or if it's just literally the, 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 the most preferred method of deliver, delivery for a piece of creative work. If you just have every avenue as a creator open to you if you're just like ah fuck it let's do it on coachella Coachella's cool or if he seems like a guy who's smart enough to be able to recognize like yo coachella is a big bag of shit let me <laughs> let me let me like just set off a uh, uh let me just like kind of like make fun of them to their face a little bit but again i don't know if that's it, yeah. it, you bringing up lemonade made me think of that because lemonade is that it, without the hint of irony without right, the hint right, of exactly. with, you know like unironically like you know aspirational bullshit being shoved down your throat telling you that you should be consuming and buying and 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 uh and that you need things and that you know you're you're just this close to being that fully realized fully actualized strong powerful woman all you need to do is get these pumps and get that jacket and get this <laughs> car and you're like almost there you're almost there and then you'll be badass, just like her. Anyway,
1: yeah, I I, I love what you're saying. I <laughs> I think it's perfect, and and I I like to think that yo
0: piece that, of Get together, listeners, if you're out there, subscribe to Bird Road. Yes, absolutely. Mash that Bird Road more, button. More of, this, more of this. More of this. No,
1: I I like to think that uh, that Donald Glover is in on this, and and that and that we we get it. But I mean, who knows? You know, it's it's so hard to say.
0: So my my next piece is actually sort of um like when you guys will do the like larger genre like our genre mm-hmm. writ large you know and I sure. used a couple of examples which are Blues Brothers the original nineteen eighties Blues Brothers and uh, Empire Records of nineteen ninety five which I cannot yeah. believe it's been twenty five years since Empire record twenty four years since Empire Records came out that freaked That's me out so
1: lo- that is so long
0: <laughs> but um I, I'm putting this in the category or the genre of. Everything is leading towards the big show at the end. Movies uh-huh. like the big concert movies, where it's like, are we going to be able to pull this off at the end? You know, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just I love those kind of movies. Um, and those were t- the two best. I mean, I don't think I don't think most people would agree with me that Empire Records was empirically a good movie. It's more like nostalgically a good movie, I think. And um, so yeah, I wanted to, to, to drop those two in there under the the larger dome of the big i mean you know even like wet hot american summer fits into this a little sure bit it does. A, yeah, B- yeah. blues brothers 2000 fits into. <laughs> it's this. funny I, mean, I was
1: gonna actually do this bucket as well but i i just i didn't i couldn't <laughs> think of a, a really good like perfect one and so i just kind of let it go but i think those are those are good examples and yeah like you said what <laughs> american summer could totally fit that bill as well
0: <laughs> yeah so there you go What's yeah, your next? one? No, I,
1: I like I like it. I like it a lot. Um all right, so yeah, let me go to my next puzzle piece. So um I I this one kind of goes along with uh with with lemonade as well. Uh and, and that is Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Um but again, I'm going uh before I get into any of the substance of what the uh, you know, what the story is and what the setting is and all that, talking about mainly just uh, the the inspiration of, of stringing music videos together into uh, some kind of a narrative, uh, which, you know, I mean, Moonwalker is just, it's just, it's so great for people who, you know, who loved that music at that time. And like, it was just so larger than life and putting those amazing songs together into this, like, and it's like, it's kind of, ridiculous at the same time as it genuinely is awesome and i i think uh guava island is taking some really great songs i mean the, these these recent tracks from childish cambino are really great tracks and um fitting them together this way it, i think they did a really great job of kind of capturing that same kind of thing and then also to that same point i mean some of uh uh, childish gambino's dance moves i think uh very evocative of mj yeah, yeah for sure ab- absolutely yeah. absolutely some of his very influenced his by, by
0: michael jackson i think i mean uh, yeah i couldn't agree more um if, <laughs> moonwalker rare movie where the video game was better than it though yeah the, well uh, which which video game because there was sega genesis the different. sega genesis video game where okay. you like? Where you fight the zombies and all that stuff? And, yeah.
1: I liked both of them actually, but yeah, I agree with you. Though. The Genesis one's better than the arcade, but absolutely rare, rare rare occurrence of that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I guess I'll jump to my number five then because I had five, but I mean it, it goes part and parcel with what you just said because mine is nineteen seventy eight's The Wiz, uh, with which is obviously you know as most people remember, Sidney Lumet directed, starring Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Nipsey Russell. Um, same thing, right? Musical score tying together, uh, the, 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 the story. And I, I put this together because apparently I'm, I'm, you know, I like a lot of the singles that, uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, I suppose has come out with in the, um, last two albums he's done. But what I read was that big fans of his say that this movie ties together themes of the, of the, like this, this movie is an actual sort of cohesive piece that brings together a lot of the themes from his last two albums. And uh, the, the music was telling this sort of loosely connected story mm-hmm. and that these, that these numbers weren't just the, they weren't just shoehorned in. They were actually, you know, like intentional and that this right. movie was, was an intentional, uh, n- narrative project that brought, that brought together these, um, the the music that he's been making and from what i understand there's really like two childish gambinos there's the pre-2015 childish gambino who was just kind of a just another rapper that wasn't really right. that great i mean like i remember that childish gambino and like, he had a couple songs that were interesting or funny but he was just i think a, he was most notable for
1: like adding nerd culture into hip-hop
0: yeah like he was thing. like a like a like a like a like a discount version of odd future. I don't know if you ever got into odd future. No, I never did. Yeah. Odd future. Like that moment of like 2007, 2008, funny hip hop, nerd hip hop kind of mm. coming out. Uh, you know, that, that was that moment. Right. And he was, he was one of that group of, of rappers that kind of had their moment during that, that time. Um, mm. but anyway, back to my pick, the whiz, uh, I mean, this was an incredible movie. I, you know, when looking up this movie, it's actually not very highly rated. I couldn't believe, I can't believe that. I thought that this was like an AFI like top one hundred movie or something, but <laughs> apparently, it's a it's yeah. a lowly rated movie. Um, yeah. I loved it. I remember loving it growing up, and it reminds me a lot of the, the sort of the whimsy and the fun. Um, you know, stylistically, we always talk about like usually when I'm on this show with you, what I'll talk about is one that has like a you know. A similar tone or a similar style it might not have the same story which it doesn't you know the, the, right. the whiz doesn't have the same story but the way that that the whiz was made um felt a lot like like it, it was like the warm tonality and the 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 beautiful um consideration that was taken into the presentation of the movie um mm. you know i could see Morai being a kind of person who was, you know, very influenced by, by Lume. Um sure. So, yeah, I, I, I had uh, The Wiz.
1: Absolutely. Hey, you, you know what's funny about The Wiz, before I move on to my next puzzle piece, is I didn't know about it growing up. I, I just, I don't think I ever heard of it. And then, like, I was, like, I was in my second Michael Jackson phase, first when I was a kid, and then again, like, when I was, like, senior in high school, I think. And I found out about it, and I was like, holy shit, this exists? Like This is
0: amazing. <laughs> it's like, incredible. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I remember watching it, I don't know, when I was a little kid. It was one of the ones where, it was one of those movies where I, I remember being six or seven and just getting it from, um, from Blockbuster and just watching it like a thousand times. And mm. it, I loved it. And you know what I loved at the same time? I had a phase where I guess I was into like funny musical things. Was that and um, Little Shop of Horrors.
1: Oh yeah, yeah! I was like
0: just really into those two movies. I thought they were hilarious, and I don't know. I was maybe so, seven years so old, good. eight years old.
1: <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Well, my next uh, puzzle piece. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with uh, the Before trilogy um, for my next piece. And okay. Okay. I I wish there was more of this, but I felt like the <laughs> scenes between Childish Gambino and Rihanna kind of gave off a little bit of that that feel of like just a very naturalistic relationship and like uh and and like watching them walk around and like just kind of like you know goofing around with each other and then once they break into song of course things change a little bit but it still has that like that real sweetness and that real you you really like kind of feel their relationship
0: and um yo i read an article i read an article that said uh, a review that said that um the relationship between glover and rihanna was wooden and i was like are you fucking crazy Wow. I was like, that's like, that's that's insane. That's crazy. And I feel like that's a person who's never been in a relationship. Yeah, that's really strange. Like, I was thinking about... I felt, It felt so lived oh, yeah. in. It felt like a real relationship. Yeah.
1: I, I was thinking about if this movie was a full-length feature, like a solid 90 minutes, and I think I would prefer more of them than any of the other elements like any more songs or any of the thriller aspects that it starts to unfold into um i I, their relationship was really interesting and and really well done i thought so that is pretty surprising to hear that um yeah i I did not agree
0: with that with that uh with that
1: yeah that's weird well uh, one more point about the before trilogy uh is also just how beautiful the Uh, The scenery that they're walking through And their relationship is unfolding You know before you is um, Well you
0: should explain a little because maybe not everybody Immediately uh, associates the um, Ethan Hawke vehicle the three You know before but like what what that is
1: Yeah no I mean it's In the first one uh, Before Sunset I believe I always forget which one is which in the order But uh, in the first one He meets Julie Delphi and uh, They're just talking and they get to know each other and then through the course of these three movies you're seeing like i think two decades of their relationship unfolding and uh the whole movies like are basically just them walking around in various cities and uh the cities are just beautifully captured while their relationships are just beautifully captured as well and and so you know again here we're seeing for portions of of the short runtime anyway uh, we're seeing Childish Gambino and Rihanna just uh, you know living in this this just picturesque amazingly beautiful uh part of Cuba, and just the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous in the way that it captures it all, and especially the uh you know you know the beach scene' it's just absolutely ridiculous. The beach scene is stunning,
0: and like the yeah. and the choreography that comes with it and that musical number is great um were you a big uh were you a big slackers fan or no
1: uh, I only ever saw it once like back in high school,
0: yeah, it's you know? so funny because like the as linklater would go on to make this this trilogy that is so kind of well-respected artistically and thought of so highly as you know oscar bait type movies Uh um that 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 trope of just like kind of following people along for a day yeah obviously that was his first movie but still slackers is where he started that right slackers is where he was like okay we're gonna follow around 20 weirdos (laughs) during a day in austin texas and just see what where their days lead them. Yeah. And uh, a lot of, he employed a lot of the same sort of directorial tricks like kind of sharpening or you know honing his skills on that very low I think Oscar's i uh, uh, sorry, Slackers was um like one of those movies that cost virtually nothing to make. Sure, sure. And uh and then you saw a lot of those skills at play I think maybe 5 or 6 years later, right? When uh when when he made um The First Before movie and then the subsequent two. Yeah, that came yeah. after that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, what's your uh, next puzzle piece?
0: So, my next one is one that um, I saw in the theater, but I don't think I saw with you. I saw it years after it was in the theaters. Um, it is probably the uh, the most critically acclaimed of uh, Masaki's, um the great Japanese uh, animator of his of his um, of his you know incredible illustrious career. Uh, it was 2001's Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. which is uh, by a lot of people considered to be the greatest animated film that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. It's the highest gro- highest grossing Japanese movie ever, still to this day. I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, the reason I picked it is more of a thematic reason. Uh, it, it was not a direct critique of capitalism per se, but it was a critique of Japanese culture mm-hmm. and a con- critique of consumerism and consumption and production and sort of the dynamics that are behind capitalism, which I, um, I, 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 I remember being a very affected from by them, by the movie when I saw it, maybe, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was, it's, you know, the the character is sort of like living through the lead, the lead character, the, the young girl um, is, is sort of existing in this world where. The only thing that matters to the people around her are how much they're they're able to, like, stuff their faces filled with things. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see this movie or no? Is this one that you haven't seen yet?
1: I don't remember if I ever actually saw it. I mean, it's always been a movie that's been on my radar, and I, I I feel like I did, but if I did, it was back when it was in the theaters.
0: It's one of those movies that, like, stays with you. You see it, and it makes you think for a while, and you're, you know, it, it kind of messes with you a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, Spirited Away, 2001 uh it's again not a direct critique of capitalism it's more of a direct critique of japanese culture the um the loss of tradition is a big theme in the movie the loss of uh of history and mm-hmm. the things that had made japan in the estimation of mizaki um that had made japan kind of what it was you know this the oldest country in the world i mean there's some debate between Japan and Egypt, which cult, Which country is the oldest country, uh, con, you know, continuous country with the continuous borders on the sure. planet. But Japan is a country that is steeped in history and has been, um, you know, in existence forever. And to see industrialization, post-war industrialization do what it's done to that culture and erode it in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s was... um very affecting for mizaki and there's you know i'm sure volumes and volumes of analysis written about this that i'm not going to get into but Mm -hmm. uh but that is sort of a tacit um critique of capitalism when you think about it because that's what it is sure it's these creatures shoving things into their mouths and eating and (laughs) at one point the girl's parents turn into actual pigs from their gorging and, and their and their binging so um yeah that was that was my next puzzle piece
1: no, it's great. That's great. And you know, it's funny, you know, just to like touch on that, you know, a little bit more about the capitalism. I was looking for some movies that, you know, kind of were dealing with those kind of themes and it, there's really far and few between like we kind of, you know, obviously when we did our uh, our episode on Sorry to Bother You, like we were looking for movies that uh you know dealt with criticism of capitalism um, and even spoiler though, alert
0: for my last uh, for my last puzzle piece by the way but
1: <laughs> okay cool uh, but yeah no it's it's like it's tough to find movies that uh that deal with that well and that's so, not by accident that's not yeah. by
0: accident Dave I mean if you think yeah. about it look at what Hollywood is yeah you know? yeah look at what Hollywood is look at what Hollywood look at what our culture rewards look at what we recognize and what we think um, the most about Um I read somewhere where 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 people were talking about how Donald Glover has this, this uh really unique ability to sort of um nip at the hands of the corporate overlords who fund his creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like he has this habit in a lot of the things that he does of like kind of taking a shot at the the studio world or the yeah. uh the the world of Hollywood and um and still being endearing enough and just on its face making great good enough creative work that it's he's not drummed out but you have to think man we don't watch we have this conversation before and i don't know how much you guys i've heard you guys talk about it sometimes on on other episodes of piecing it together but i don't know how much you really do it's more of a of a on the um, facebook page conversation really Mm -hmm. we don't like movies before like 1980 like we don't really watch them because they just don't hold up like, right. let's call it what it is. And for all you film nerds out there that are going to come after me, fine. You can come after me if you want. Everyone fact-
1: subscribe to the Criterion channel, even if we don't watch those movies. So-
0: <laughs> yeah. The, like, <laughs> but, like, come on. They just they they don't hold up. Sit down and watch. Like, I tried to sit and watch the other day Chinatown. And mm-hmm. I was bored in the first 30 minutes of Chinatown. It's actually
1: on my list of movies to go back and watch. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched it. Thanks I don't remember the when. like In, like, the 90s, I probably watched it or something when I was, like, yeah. a teenager. Right, and uh, so my point in bringing that up is that a lot of the kind of filmmaking that you were talking about it that would be a critique of capitalism, movies that 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 critiqued capitalism, movies that were anti-establishment, were in that era. Mm-hmm. And then when the nineteen eighties came, it was a resurgence for capitalism. It was a resurgence. It, it, it's where the sh- the 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 we love to see people transgress on film or we love to see people go against the grain on film right we love to see the anti-hero the tough guy or the 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 square peg of the round hole the person that isn't fitting in and is calling the whole system into question but the polarity for that changed in like the 1980s where that person became Gordon Gekko that person Mm. became Tony Soprano that person (laughs) became a different you know Walter White somebody who was in the pursuit of 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 money in who, who was who was pursuing money in the larger more noble pursuit of providing for their family but society was sort of an afterthought or or society was the villain right yeah. we don't see characters like Donald Glover's Denny in this movie who are put forward as heroes who are willing to sacrifice their family and their life and their unborn child who are, who I don't think he ever actually finds out about which is one of the tragedies in the movie sure. but um you know who are willing to sacrifice those things for the society right who are willing to put their life on the line to have that day off that one sunday off so that everybody can have it and um but you're right and I don't think it's by accident dude because that sort of that 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 capital worship started well it started hundreds of years ago but really in, in modern media, it being sort of tied into as a virtue started in the 80s, which hmm. is when we started being culturally aware of movies that we, when we, when we as kids, young kids, started deciding, like, we like this, we don't like this, I like that, I don't like this movie. When we started making our, the movie selections that were going to, you know, be our rewatchables for the rest of our lives, it was at a time when that was what the, you know, what the prevailing uh, virtues were. Interesting. And, not, so, it's not
1: a, it's not an accident i don't think so do you think the uh the young kids now the progressives are going to uh be making a different kind of movie going forward <clears> Possibly. i
0: don't know i don't know i feel like it's hard to say. Uh, like is, it's hard to say because all that stuff is happening uh, all that shit the the creativity and the creative juice is all happening outside of hollywood so you know who knows what direction it'll go in hollywood will just keep being like a place where every once in a while, some little thing like this, what we're talking about today, will slip through the cracks. But mostly, it'll be like let's re let's 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 relaunch. I don't know, hundred one Dalmatians or something. I don't know. For all I know, they might be doing that. But, <laughs> a live um, action one. Uh, is there a live action? 100- I think there already was one, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, re- let's 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 uh, revamp planes, trains, and automobiles, or something like that. You know, they
1: are doing that right now with women. <laughs> Moving, yeah. on, Moving um, on. let's move on. <laughs> well, you were talking about movies that don't hold up. So that's a good transition uh into my next puzzle piece. <laughs> uh which, you know, of course overall I like this movie, but I I this is kind of a criticism. Uh Elvis movies in general, which uh, okay. I, right. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever actually watched Elvis movies, but my impression of them are that they just place Elvis in some pretty situation, and then he ends up singing songs at some point, right? And yeah, <laughs> which is, uh, it, it, you know, it, uh, you know, if you really wanted to, you could kind of make the case for that's what this is. It's childish Gambino looking pretty in a pretty location yeah. and then eventually ends up making songs, singing songs. <laughs> uh, I felt like that was a pretty good, uh, 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 pretty simple to make uh comparison, but uh, you know, one worth making nonetheless.
0: No, that's dead on actually. Yeah. They just have this, like this sort of um, magnetic energy to them where everybody in the movie loves them except for the villain. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> for sure absolutely for sure that's That's hilarious i
1: wonder if i've ever actually seen an elvis movie or if i'm just imagining what an elvis movie is but it seems like that's what it would be
0: i don't think you would have ever watched an elvis movie i mean i I used to see them on tv back in Uh the day um (laughs) like uh the trying to think of like the big ones were like um jailhouse rock right that would be the big one
1: all the beach ones. Um, I can't think of the names, but yeah, all the ones on seems Hawaii. Seems like a lot, of, a lot of beach Hawaii ones. Yeah,
0: they those are movies that did not they did not age. Like if you watch them now, it's <laughs> they like must watching be awful. It's like watching gibberish. It's like watching, <laughs> it's like watching a child. Dude, like it's like watching a small child that you don't care about doing nothing. <laughs> Uh, so sorry. I have a I have a fifth puzzle piece but I also have a little bonus one. Okay. Um so my fifth fifth puzzle piece I already sort of alluded to. Sorry to bother you. You can go back into our catalog of uh, piecing it together episodes and um also uh this that was the last crossover that we did actually. Yeah. Um again anti-capitalist sentiment, um a critique of capitalism, a critique of labor, uh this movie Guava Island focused heavily on uh, you know it's actually distilled really well in one scene where uh, Denny is walking into work after clocking in a few minutes late with one of his co-workers and saying she asks him what's wrong with him why is, why is he so angry and he basically says uh, like, you know he's like I'm angry because we here we are living in paradise and none of us even has any time to enjoy it Right. or the right. any time to enjoy it or the means to enjoy it and the fact that they included the word means into that into that that line mm-hmm. makes me know that's what i knew that it wasn't just an accidental an accidental critique of capitalism that this was coming from a place where somebody because that is a that's a very loaded word in the world of socialism in the world of of uh of anti-capitalist rhetoric you know recapturing the means of production um, having the means to, you know, enjoy a just life, enjoy life with dignity. The, the the word means was very, not coded, it was like, it was a dog whistle. I knew that the, the writing of this movie was intentional. Sure. I knew that they were doing that. Um, and it was nice. I was like, hell yeah. I feel like that in Miami all the time. Everybody here, it's this like fucking grind culture, dude. Grinding, 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 busting your ass. Like you're proud of yourself that you worked through the whole weekend and that you didn't enjoy. You're in. You live in fucking Miami. Go outside. Uh, and yeah, and all you so, do is work. Never um, enjoying it. Exactly. And um, sorry to bother you. Had overtones of that. And uh, I, I love that it was only just a few months ago. I don't think that. I unfortunately, I don't think that. Sorry to bother you. Made the the blip or the ripple in the cultural conversations that people like you and I would have hoped it would have. Mm. Like it kind of just came and went. Um, And this movie, nobody's really talking about it. I personally think this is the best movie, Guava Island. We'll we'll wait. I'll save it until we get to the part where you ask if I liked it. But I I will say that I I really like this movie a lot. Um, And uh, you know, they they shared a lot of things. Hopefully, there can be like a uh, the that is to say, sorry to bother you. And uh, Guava Island shared a lot of uh, thematic elements. Sure. And hopefully, more movies can touch on these things because i like to see when those when those paradigms are challenged a little bit
1: yeah you know i i'd say sorry to bother you is kind of starting to enjoy a little bit of a cult status i think um people are finding it it seems like nobody saw it in the theater um but then ever since it's hit vod it is starting to catch on a little bit and you know, hopefully that happens with this, uh, you know, hopefully it becomes kind of like, you know, more of a movie movie than just, uh, you know, something that was to coincide with Coachella. Uh, but you know, yeah, it, it's great to see, you know, these kind of criticisms coming up in movies. And I, I, I can't imagine that we're not going to see more of it, you know, what, with, with the politics of what's happening nowadays. And, uh, you know, with the way the progressive movement has gone and everything, so I, I I would be shocked if we don't see more of it.
0: You know what strikes me um, is that uh, how pernicious is this? How sort of like sinister is it that if you want to make a movie about in the last twenty years, only recently are as we talk about these two movies, more intelligent takes on this, or maybe more, uh, I don't know, more artful takes on this. If you want to write a movie about a char- character or characters that are like trying to challenge the accepted social requirements of how much you work and questioning like what really matters in life it's in the last 30 40 years that's a that's a that's a stoner movie or like a or a <laughs> right. or a slacker movie like a like you know it's it's dude where's my car right yeah, like yeah. you can like it, it, the characters have no inherent virtue and like they are the they're predisposed as they're pre they're they're like set up as being wrong. These characters are dipshits and yeah. losers and assholes. It's idiocracy
1: is the smartest movie of the
0: Right. Last couple and, decades. I don't know. Uh anyway, that just strikes me that, you know, you can't make or for many years, in the eighties, nineties and the two thousands, the aughts or whatever, you couldn't make a movie where the main character is like, man, let's hang out on the beach all day. I guess maybe Ferris Bueller, right? Like, yeah. uh, like, where's the movie where the slacker or the person who's advocating to work less and tone it down and just enjoy life a little bit more is positioned as Baloo in The Jungle Book? I guess, like, <laughs> I'm literally grasping at straws. Like, Ferris Bueller, Baloo in The Jungle Book, and... I don't know. That's I got, it. I got.
1: I got no other ones for you. I mean, you're you're absolutely dead on. Uh, uh, Peter from Office Space is that his name, Peter? Um, Peter, yeah. yeah but
0: yeah. even still, a third of the way after in the second act of the movie, he recovers and he realizes he quote unquote realizes that he was wrong That's and that true. he wants to go yeah. back to his life as uh like the the hypnotism or whatever wears yeah. off. Yeah. So <laughs> even in the Mike Judge world of you know late nineties. Um, uh, you know, critique of, of the workplace, even still work is, is still exalted. Like being a productive cog in the workforce is still exalted. And the deviant behavior is what happens in the first act.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to go down a whole
0: fucking hole here, even though I think we have.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I got, I got one more puzzle piece, so I'm going to go with that right now. And um, that is another music movie. It is Inside Lewin Davis, and okay, yeah. uh, the reason I bring this up is it's a movie in which a musician's talent is undercut by the powers that be really only being interested in money, and um, then also along with that, I figured the uh, you know the kind of melancholy tone to it because even though. You know, there's such beauty and happiness to the island. There's that undercurrent of of melancholy, like that's just through the whole film. Just knowing that uh, that there's there's something wrong. You know, there's something that's going to be wrong on the island.
0: That's a dead-on one. There's there's like I'll always remember from that movie. um, That's not one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, although so many people love it that I will. I will allow that it is probably one of their best movies Um, that uh, so many people who I know who whose opinion on Coen brothers catalog, I respect, Mm. you know, seem to all agree that that's a, I I, I have that for me in the sort of second tier of Coen brothers movies, Mm. but um, even that is good. So, but what, what will always uh, stick with me about that movie is just the, the sort of sad, des- when when he arrives in Chicago and he finally is able to secure a meeting with the producer or the, I guess the uh, the booking agent that he's trying to get to, that he went through all this effort to get to, and just a look in his eyes and in his face when when um, Oscar Isaac's Lewin Davis is uh, singing that song, trying to just like when you know what's behind it and what's happening and yeah, yeah. like the the sadness and the futility behind it and um and he is rejected right because why wouldn't he be why would he? Just i don't show see up? any money here yeah i don't see any money here <laughs> that is, is like a dead is, ass oh right on the point yeah um yeah that's a that's a great one that's and it's fmary
1: a... abram of all people is... <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but yeah
0: so my little my little bonus um uh puzzle piece is another music industry movie Uh, but this one is probably, I don't think anybody saw this, but you can find it out there on YouTube. It's, it's free. It's a, it's a short, it's a 25 minute, uh, short film. Uh, the first, uh, direct directing credit by Hiro Murai that he also did with Donald Glover. And that was also had, um, chance the rapper in it back in, I think this was in 2014. It's called clapping for the wrong reasons. And, you can watch that. I would recommend everybody watch that movie. It's a twenty-four or twenty-five minute uh, short film that's out there that'll give you a sense, again, like we were talking before about Richard Linkletter, seeing the first inklings of what a director or a creator, or in this case a creative team, is gonna be, seeing them sort of like stretch and work and and and, and figure themselves out uh in this you know and then see it sort of come together in a more fully realized thing like um you know atlanta is or like this movie uh guava island is um the thing about this movie that i thought was interesting is that uh they all play themselves basically like uh he's playing donald glover he's there it's it happens during the course of one day on a um in in a uh what looks to be like you know, when like a studio will put up a bunch of rappers and, and their producers, they'll put them up in like a, you know, $10,000 a month house in the, in the Hollywood Hills or something. Right. And they'll just have them produce there. They'll just like, they just bunker up and they just make like an album. It's one day in that life of these guys sort of playing music and exploring music and fucking around with each other. It's, it's, it's very, it's not pegged to any plot. Mm
1: -hmm. Nothing is
0: happening. And, uh, at the end of the day, nothing happens. And, um, and they just uh, it's just another day of them making music. And it's beautiful. It's thoughtful. It's not quite there in terms of the artfulness that, that they achieve in Guava Island, which is, I think, a triumph. Um, but you can see where they're going. And for them to have gotten there in five years, I mean, this is a 2014 short film that's half the length of this Guava Island movie. Uh, you know... I think it's admirable. And for them to have the best show on television right now oh, in yeah. that short period of time. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Anyway, check it out. Clapping for the wrong reasons. It's on like YouTube. You can just go watch it.
1: Yeah, it sounds interesting. I definitely gonna check it out because I've loved I've loved or liked at least everything that this team has done. And so definitely I, I need to check that out. Um all right, well let's do the finished puzzle, then we'll get into our closing thoughts. So uh finished puzzle. For Guava Island includes Dancer in the Dark, Lemonade, Blues Brothers and Empire Records and other movies that lead towards a big concert, uh, Moonwalker, The Wiz, The Before Trilogy, Spirited Away, Elvis movies, Sorry to Bother You, Inside Lewin Davis, and Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. Uh, so you know. Basically, when it comes down to it, it it sounds like you really love this movie. I liked it quite a bit. I I do wish there were some elements of it, like I talked earlier about the relationship, how much I liked it and wanted more of it. Um you know, I don't really I don't really know why they didn't go an extra like why did it have to be fifty minutes and why they couldn't have just made it a
0: full length feature. Why couldn't it have been a duet? Why the hell couldn't it have been a duet? Yeah, and why they have done a duet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's you have Rihanna. Rihanna in the movie. I mean, um, look, yeah. I think that uh, as we talk about things like you know the, <sighs> as I think cynically about the production of of art like this, I think about it that there was probably an entire team of you know public relations and marketing and advertising people that were approaching the production of this movie as a. um as basically a promotional campaign, right? Mm. This movie was about uh elevating the Donald Glover um Childish Gambino performance at uh at at Coachella and that probably that probably hindered it frankly because it was made for that crowd it was made for them to see and it was made to play, I mean, even to the structural, to, to, even to just to the basic, the fact that they had it on four three so that it would fit the screens at Coachella, right, right, was yeah. like, <clears throat> I mean, from 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 your house or from your computer, it just looks like an artistic choice, but it was very uh, also a practical one because this was a specific thing that was made for a specific moment in time, sure. and it trickling down to those of us. Peons and poor people who couldn't afford a five thousand dollar fucking you know jewel encrusted lanyard front 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 uh front row pass to Coachella, you know we weren't the target for this movie, okay? Right. Um, which kind of sucks, right? Especially if you're like me and you hold these particular creators in such esteem. Um, but I I would love to see if this is able to, uh if if the creative team is able to break free of this formatting constraint and do something different, something like an hour, 40 minutes that I uh, look, I told you on the night that I was watching this Sunday night, I watched it after Game of Thrones. I liked this more than I liked Game of Thrones. I liked this more I liked this more than I liked any movie that I've seen since probably first reformed. And uh I, I thought it was incredible. It had potential. They didn't dive too deep. I think that we are as consumers of movies poisoned a little bit because what would happen if Hollywood had gotten its hands on Guava Island is that it would be a three-part, you know, it would be three movies and they'd each be two hours long. And we would know every <laughs> single fucking thing about every, every character's backstory. We never find out very much other than the animated intro about how they how the two got to know each other. And we're just asked to sort of, you know, just accept that on faith. Sure. And I think that's great. That's fucking great. I'll, I'll, I'll take that all day. Um, So, yeah, I guess my point would be, but my only other thing I would want to say is that uh speaking of Game of Thrones, anybody who watched season two of Game of Thrones remembers uh Nonzo Anosi, Nonzo apologies if I'm mis- mispronouncing this name, not a huge part as Red Cargo, mm. but he played it huge and he oh, was yeah. great. Just like, I don't know what you call it when an actor has like a thing where they are able to be like so sort of friendly and jovial but menacing at the same oh, time. Yeah. And absolutely. he was one of the best parts of the movie. I love. I, I thought he was incredible.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. He was really, really great. Um, he 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 was terrifying, but terrifying. So, but so just so happy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, they gave him way more to work with than they did in game of thrones he was a pretty big character for season two of game of thrones and um you you you're led to believe that he's killed at the end of the season two of game of thrones um he's locked away in a in a fucking vault and left to die um so and and he never comes back so he's probably dead uh then the other thing i wanted to mention for a parting thought is damn i'm glad that they didn't try to put on fake accents or do island accents or anything like that
1: <laughs> yeah donald glover's voice went in a couple different directions at times
0: and, but I yeah thought. but notice it was only when he was there was something very interesting going on in the cast of the extras of that island there uh-huh. were and yeah, yeah. there was something very very specific there were spanish speakers there were creole speakers there were french people speaking french and there were people speaking english and um there were bahamians there were people of, uh, you know, I think that to the typical person who hasn't lived the last fifteen years in Miami, interacting with a lot of folks like this, um, that that who maybe come from places like Dominican Republic, Haiti, uh, who's who who come from different islands in the Caribbean, you don't notice this nuance, but they created this really magical, beautiful world where they didn't, they just didn't even bother asking you to suspend your your disbelief. They were just like a bunch of Caribbean people are existing on this fictional Guava Island together. Right. And they have their own languages and their own accents and their own culture that has overlaps, right? Because a lot of Caribbean culture does overlap. And they were just like, here, here it is. These people are all together. Whenever Donald Glover was interacting with somebody who spoke Spanish, he would say gracias. Whenever he was he was interacting with somebody who spoke Creole, he would interact with them on, on, on that level. And it was very quick passing, you know, Uh, pleasantries but Uh that was an intentional choice I think and I think it was a, a a really cool one that helped build that world and make it bigger that especially in the opening scene where he's running through the streets and he's interacting with all these different people and if you are experienced enough having lived around Caribbean people you know that they're as varied as like as the people of america they're they're like sure com- the sure. difference between a new Absolutely. yorker and a texan you know it's completely different people and they represented a lot of them and you, you just felt it in the very small those little moments when they would exchange pleasantries you felt it and it was it was cool
1: you know what one last point because uh, you just mentioned real quickly about that opening scene of donald glover uh running through the street uh this movie made me realize that donald glover runs a lot he's like like yeah. basically he's like Tom Cruise. Like he he's, the he's always running in every single thing he's done.
0: Um He's also like me, he's slew footed, which makes me <laughs> which makes makes me hopeful that like this. <laughs> That's what like, I
1: always say about you is that you're <laughs> slew footed.
0: I'm <laughs> slew footed. Wait, you always say that about me?
1: <laughs> I didn't even know that was a phrase. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I I, le- I learned something on this episode, uh. So uh, this is obviously also going to be on Bird Road, but do you want to, for the piecing it together listeners, plug Bird Road and plug anything?
0: Uh, yeah. So it's Bird Road. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so it's Bird else. Road. <laughs> no, we got a uh, we got a show coming up on. Um... Oh my god! You know, I had a dream. I had a dream about our May eighth show that's going to be at Lifehouse on uh, in Little Havana here in Miami. Um, so you know, there's nowhere to get tickets; just show up and be there. Uh, but it's going to be at seven o'clock, Thursday. Sorry, Wednesday, May eighth, uh, in Little Havana. I had a dream that you just decided to come because Dave, yeah. Jewish Dave's not going to be at that show. If you're not, if 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 you're looking to see Jewish Dave there, then like, I don't know, I can Facetime with him or something like that, and you can talk to him, but. He's not gonna be there, just don't wanna like set expectations that can't be met. But Unless I had a dream someone
1: wants to buy me a plane ticket.
0: I so. had a dream that you just decided at the last minute. But the funny part about the dream is that you were weirdly I don't know how to put it. You were weirdly aggressive. Like you were weirdly <laughs> like um like you said something along the lines of like, Yeah, I know you're trying to do this show without me. And uh yeah, sorry, I'm coming. Like that. And I was like, What are you talking about? I really want you here. And you're like you're like, whatever. We'll talk about it when I get there. And I was just like, what? Why do I feel like <laughs> I have like a second wife all of a sudden giving me a hard time about shit? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Was I
1: acting like I'm like some big shit or something?
0: No, like no. Sorry. It's not that you were acting like some big I was shit. I mad. You were mad because I think like you were behaving like you, you thought that I had been working to keep you at a distance from participating in the show. <laughs> and you were like, basically you were like, there's two daves in bird road <laughs> not just one how about you yeah uh, got anything to promote true. what else can people hear on the bird road uh i'm sorry what else can people hear on the piecing it together feed dave
1: uh well funny we're talking about anti-capitalism and all that stuff on this episode <laughs> because we've funny got... we're talking about it because we have an episode on dragged across concrete Coming up this week as well. That's so, a Trump.
0: That's a Trump movie, right? Yeah, it, it's I'm a, waiting for that to very, go free. Very, very
1: conservative movie. So uh, I'm waiting
0: for that to go free, to to, to be free. Um, it but should be soon enough, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely keep an eye on our Twitter. I'll let you know. But um, yeah, no, we've got we got two very uh, movies that deal with uh, political issues. So uh, yeah, that's coming up. On piecing it together.
0: I know you're gonna do. You have to do. You know, because in the modern podcast. Media cycle, like you have to have that Avengers movie up by like Friday morning. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's gonna happen. I
1: uh, I have thought if it takes about longer than like 12 parts.
0: hours, it's old news. You can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've thought about doing it in parts because that way, um, actually one of one of our frequent co-hosts is actually gonna be in Vegas, uh, Ryan Darty, who's actually been on Bird Road as well. Yep. So he's actually going with me. So Brando we could always maybe record right after uh we see it and post like. At least part of the episode up and then maybe do it in part, do it in pieces. That could be fun.
0: I think you have to throw down the gauntlet, not to, uh, not to damn. I didn't even, re- I honestly did not even mean to make that pun, but you have to, th- you have to <laughs> throw down the challenge. How about that? Uh, that, um, the infinity that, challenge <laughs> that, uh, that nobody can use any Marvel or superhero movies. No Marvel. Yeah. V- th- no I, movie- I think.
1: I think I did that on the last one, didn't I, on the... Uh, I don't remember. The, the Infinity War episode. I think I said no Marvel movies. Um, I allowed other comic book movies, but no Marvel movies.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do um, the next Piecing It Together I do, which I guess will be that one, because I'm sure you'll have me on for that, uh, uh, will be like only Pornos. <laughs>